Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast, pottering around the trapdoor of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who would drop our wands and punch Malfoy in the nose. Uh, my name is Sarah. I am joined by my co-hosts, BJ and Spencer. How y'all doing? Doing well and fully endorsing your statement about what my intentions are with Draco Malfoy. <laughs> um, this comes up again later in the series. I did not remember that it actually came up in the first book, so there you go. Which part? That he's the worst? Well, that's pretty much a through line. Um, okay. <laughs> the punching in the nose comes up later. Oh, gotcha. It, it has been interesting browsing various aspects of the fandom, aided by you, BJ, and sending me the various quirks that this large fandom has. One of the things I was not expecting in casual browsing, and I'm trying to actively avoid spoilers as much as possible, but good lord, is Draco really popular with aspects of the fandom? I, that caught me off guard. I that wonder if book that's Draco more, or movie yeah, Draco? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Couldn't tell you, didn't want to browse deep enough to check. Okay. Just... He has a hell of a lot of hits on Google for, you know, just various fan sites dedicated to him. I feel like what's his face got really attractive. Okay. I was gonna, <laughs> a lot of the cast apparently ended up that way. I was going to say, I feel like he's kind of like the Orlando Bloom of the Lord of the Rings series, yeah. where there's that segment of population that made the wrong decision and decided that Orlando Bloom was the hot one. And, you know, that's fine. And I think that <laughs> Draco sort of ended Man. up in the same place. PJ, you just are raising inevitable follow-up questions with that statement. <laughs> Spencer, do you really choose Orlando Bloom over Viggo Mortensen? No, I just wanted to hear you say it first. Oh, okay. All right, moving on from that <laughs> All right, so back to this fantasy world. Um, <laughs> uh, so we are going to go through our normal segments. We've got a rapid-fire summary, um, some wordplay comments and questions in newbies notes um i will award house points and then you all bother me with questions is that what we're doing tonight yeah perfect we have a plan. all right well i am gonna do my summary i think i can do it in two minutes a lot happens in this chapter it does it's about twice the length of some of the chapters we've done recently anyway and then there's a lot going on in terms of intercharacter drama so yes. i've got the time already and i wish you the best of luck in getting this done in two minutes all right <laughs> let me crack my knuckles here or whatever one does um, <laughs> so we are in chapter nine, the midnight duel right away on the leaderboard of people, uh, Harry hates. We have an upset. Draco Malfoy has overtaken Dudley, which really sucks because Gryffindor and Slytherin are going to be in flying classes together. Neville gets a remembral to help his abysmal memory, but it's a lot like me sort of writing Mangum Reads in my calendar and having no idea what I'm supposed to have read in any given week. In the flying lesson, there doing um, some very basic kind of up-down stuff when Neville panics, goes too high, falls off his broom, and breaks his wrist. The flying instructor, Madame Hooch, takes him to the hospital wing, spitting warnings against any student uh, getting on a broom unsupervised. Upon finding the remembral Neville dropped, Malfoy, of course, gets on a broom unsupervised to hide it from him. Harry cannot stand this, and despite the fact that he's never been on a broom before, uh, he rage flies after Malfoy, who can't quite believe it, and Harry's quite good. Um, good enough that when Malfoy chucks the remembral, Harry executes a tricky little dive and captures it while managing to not slam into the ground. But bad luck, really, that Professor McGonagall sees him and um, frog marches him through the school while Harry panics. And instead of expelling him, McGonagall pulls Gryffindor Quidditch Captain Oliver Wood from Charms class and uh, informs him that she's found the team a new seeker. Much um, 
amazement from the Weasleys ensues. Getting to the chapter title, finally, Malfoy is um, still pretty sore about all of that and challenges Harry to a wizard's duel, which he accepts without knowing what it is. Hermione is appalled, and when Harry and Ron leave for the duel, she tries to stop them and gets locked out of the co common room, so has to go with them. They also pick up Neville along the way, because of course they do. Um, when they get there, the room is empty, but then Filch and Mrs. Norris, it's a trap. They run, uh, then run into Peeves, who is unhelpful, run again. Hermione, Alohomora's a door, and um, they seem to be safe until the three-headed dog. They barely escape, make it back to the common room. Hermione reveals that being expelled is a fate worse than death. Um, but it turns out that the dog was standing on a trap door. Is this where uh, the missing package from Gringotts is? Question. Well done. Duly your, your slow start. Your slow start kept you kept you off your goal, but you still got it done in two thirty. All right, I'll take that. <clears throat> um, anything so, major I've missed here? Uh, no, you, I think hmm? you covered it quite well. Uh, so I will say that I was really disappointed in this chapter in terms of the uh, wordplay. Okay. Um, there was, you know, <laughs> you had like one moment. <laughs> yeah, that you know, there's a reasonable amount of alliteration and things like that, which sort of seems to carry through. Um, the thing that entertained me the most was Madame Hooch, and the only thing that I could think of after that was the Scrubs reference, which is Hooch be crazy. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the the thing that I really appreciated, and um, I feel like also is kind of reminiscent of our time back in uh, the Mangum dorms with Spencer, is um, less of the pink bathrobe but Hermione appearing uh, wearing a pink bathrobe and a frown is just <laughs> that's that exact character um, I had a tendency to be conjured at certain moments to express grandfatherly disdain it was kind of my role <laughs> did you ever get locked out of the dorm and get dragged um, on a failed midnight duel expedition oh of course <laughs> essentially good god yes yeah uh, yeah, there's one time that he got roped into midnight football where we got um, disciplined, I guess. That, like, I don't, I don't really know, by the cops that just sort of showed up and told to go home. Um, so, so, yeah, I'd say it's fairly reminiscent of that, but we didn't really have a, a rival group. We were just, um, I have no idea why, but playing essentially full contact football at like midnight. No, like so many other groups of college friends, our true enemies were ourselves. We needed no outside force upon us. <laughs> you were your own three-headed dog. Oh, very oh, much yes. so. Cerberus was upon us. We've looted from Hades long in the past. Excellent. Um, so, Spencer, I'll let you get on with uh, Newbie's notes. All right. Well, browsing through, I, I did make a note that having a professor named Hooch in flying class is just delightful. I do indeed enjoy that... Uh, J.K. Rowling really likes naming professors after things. They're either very appropriate or very funny with respect to their given profession and chosen trade. And having a drunk flying teacher would be lovely in terms of an experience that seems to be what most wizards run by for how they go about their training. Um, for the remember-all, like you, Sarah, that would be the biggest, most taunting device known to man when applied to me. Because if that thing is just existing to remind me that I forgot something, but not what that thing is, it, it, no, that... that <laughs> That is a way of inflicting greater pain on me. I already know I forget shit. I don't need someone to tell me what it is and then just taunt me with it with a red flashing light. I'm pretty sure between Levi and myself, we could like come up with like a Raspberry Pi that would hook up to Wi-Fi and just like have a red flashing light when there's like a calendar reminder for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. 
No, BJ, as you've long since discovered, little repeated phrases or things that exist for no purpose other than to taunt me infuriate me like nothing else does. Yeah. I mean, your little sorry Spencers, which you brought out the other day, you asshole, <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> cut into my soul. It, it means nothing. It's just a repeated little nonsense phrase. But like that or a red flashing light, I see red flashing lights when they start to occur. So, remember all, would not be a successful device to me. I don't know who it would be useful for other than to taunt the person you bought it for. But, apparently Neville appreciates it, and it serves as one of the driving forces of the plot over the course of this episode. Draco makes it his life's mission to take this object from Neville. Which is going to lead to a question I have once we come to uh, the grilling of Sarah section of this. I okay. feel like the, the, this remember all stone is essentially like a beeping of a microwave after you finish like cooking your food. Oh, I hate that so much. I know it's done. (laughs) Right, exactly. Like, I know it's done. You're reminding me of something that, honestly, if I forget, I would rather throw out the food that I made than have you keep telling me that I haven't gotten it yet. (laughs) All right, one of my favorite ones was the place, one of the last places I lived in. Um, The air conditioner control pad, the electronic panel, uh, would beep very loudly in the event that the battery that powered the screen was about to die. And it would do this at any hour and would keep doing it even if you removed the battery. Because that would just convince it it was even more dead. Oh so, boy. yeah, that was fun at 3 a.m. to have that echoing throughout the house and me debating whether I could find a way to go to sleep or just find the nearest hammer. Uh, point number three of what is increasingly becoming a rant about of me about things. Um, this one's just a little bit more interesting. Where I felt this chapter was one of the first ones where I got a real firm concept of certain of the houses and their character, which uh, the stereotypical character by which the people represent them. Of where in this episode we got to see the, I would say more uh, headstrong aspect of House Gryffindor very much played out with several of its members. Of where both Harry and Ron ran on a mindset throughout this chapter of. There is a misdeed, there is an evildoer, there is something wrong upon this world, and no amount of self-sacrifice, no amount of threat to myself, or even those around me, will be unjustified to right this wrong. As we see Harry, at several moments, engage in activities which will directly end his career, will directly exile him and probably damage his house severely for the year, but... Draco is a face that needs to be punched, either literally or metaphorically, and he will be the one to do it. So it seems to be a very, an example of the kind of headstrong, courageous mindset of Gryffindor, but showing the bit of the dangerous dark side of that. And also I think a little bit of the um, kind of squidginess between acting from a sort of personal moral rectitude against an individual Mm -hmm. versus there is an injustice in the world. Right. It, it is that. And there's also an element of pride attached to mm-hmm. it, too. Of where, as Hermione points out several times over the course of this episode, Harry's being played. It's pretty obvious. He's being set up to have a greater punishment inflicted upon him. But his pride is up. His personal desire to inflict retribution is up. And he's going to be the one to go there and do it. At the same time, we also see, and BJ, you, as what, what if we put this in Mass Effect terms, we get to see that Gryffindor and Slytherin are very much the paragon and renegade of this respective wizarding world, of where we are continually shown, once again, that other than Slytherins seem to enjoy hanging out with each other, there's nothing to like about these. They exist to cause drama, they exist to undermine those around them for the sake of their own advancement. They are not people you really want part of a communal organization that you are a member of. So, uh, 
it, it was just uh, interesting to really see that clearly hammered home in this chapter, and I'm sure more of that will come as we go on through. Uh, also, it was nice to see that apparently Hercules had grabbed Cerberus and stuck him in uh, Hogwarts, <laughs> and that he was apparently guarding something. Um, you know, normally he doesn't get much leg room outside of performing certain heroic feats, so nice to see Senna ended up in the Wizarding World. <laughs> yeah, now he's in a corridor in a castle. It's, I'm sure it's a very cozy room over that trap door, which <laughs> sure. apparently is, well, you know... He, Maybe he just maybe he has enough intelligence to understand the importance of what he's guarding, the you know mysterious MacGuffin of whatever it is that Harry and Hagrid grabbed from uh, Gringotts in the past. Assuming Harry's correct that that's what's under there. To be determined. Right. That finishes up my newbie notes. Sarah, where are you taking us next? Are we ready for house points? I very much so. Okay, I do not have a snack this week because there was no food in this chapter. Um, <laughs> so there there was some. And they ate they were breakfast eating in the at background. One point. Yeah, they ate very standard food. <laughs> yes, I made myself a normal meal, and then I ate it. Um, <laughs> meal of the day, cornflakes! <laughs> right. So, all right, house points, again, decided by me and me alone. I was very tempted to, once again, um, award sort of loser of the episode to Neville. He did not have a good day. Broken wrist, falling off a broom, uh, remember all stolen... Slash he lost it, slash he can't remember what it was he was supposed to have remembered. Then locked out of the <laughs> common room to go on an adventure he had no interest in to get threatened by a three-headed dog and a lot of nighttime cardio. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not a great day. But the real loser of the episode, or the chapter, in a turnabout from last numbers is absolutely Draco. He has gone... From entirely cocky, and some of this is a little bit perspective, but he has gone from entirely cocky about his flying and about his bullying to clearly Harry did not get into any trouble for having flown after him. Uh, In fact, he showed him up on on his broom and caught the remember-all, and very soon Draco is going to find out that Harry made the Quidditch team after not trying out when first years are not allowed to make the Quidditch team. (laughs) Then he... (laughs) Go ahead, Spencer. Yeah, I was going to say, there is a certain bending of the rules when it comes to Harry. We see that played out a couple times over the course of this episode. Yeah, it doesn't go away. Um, (laughs) Then uh, Draco is setting up this whole thing for Harry to get caught wandering around in the hallways for this midnight duel, and it goes spectacularly wrong for him, even as our hearty group of Gryffindors is dashing around the castle trying not to get caught. Um doesn't work out like he planned. So I think in terms of plans made and plans foiled, Draco is the real loser. I will give you credit for plans foiled, though I think his second effort, his second conniving uh, in his second conniving effort to get to Harry expelled was damn close to success. That by sheer fluke, Flitch did not look in the right direction or, did, or spoke before he walked in the room. If any of that had played out differently... The entire, this entire section of the uh, house would have been severely punished or even expelled. Actually, is that the punishment for going out after dark? They never really indicated. No. Hermione seemed to think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> of, cor- of course Hermione would say that. <laughs> she, she is concerned about such a thing, but that is not what happens. Um, perhaps eventually, I don't know. It's usually just a kind of house points, maybe a detention. Does Flitch get to control house points or we just refer them to someone who does? Yeah, no, he doesn't have any... Interestingly, he doesn't have anything to do with house points. 
Uh, he would prefer to go back to the olden days where uh, the caretaker would be allowed to hang students by their wrists from chains in his office if they threw stink bombs. Ah, yes, those good those good days where the Catholic Church run, ran Hogwarts. The days those of were fine times. <laughs> the rose-tinted glasses come out. So um, I'm, I'm still going to give it to Malfoy for loser of the week. Neville didn't have a great week. Winner of the week is a little trickier. Um, I do think that despite what, despite all of the hardship, I think that Harry was the winner this week. He oh, is on the Quidditch team. Good call. Uh, he does know more about where he thinks the package from Gringotts went. Mm-hmm. He has rubbed it in Malfoy's face a couple of times, and he has annoyed Hermione. Yeah, and he's really started to develop his own reputation outside of just this distant event in his past. Mm-hmm. That. He has now demonstrated his own character in front of the student body in a way that will have people gravitate to him, I'm sure. So, yeah, very much agree. He had a good episode. Uh, I think maybe point uh, marker number two, that might be a controversial choice, is Hermione, because she is the only person that we hear in this episode actually got real points in the, ep- in, in the chapter. Fair. Um, she also was a real badass with her Alohomora spell that no one else knew in that situation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With, with some implication that she actually apparently knows curses, or at least Harry thought that she was about to say what one was. <laughs> which, I'm betting curses aren't part of the regular education at this point. Maybe not in, like, your first week of your first year. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thought. So, okay. all right. Questions for me. Uh, first of all, BJ, you're still here. Uh, I am still here. Um, I do have some questions, but this is less a question for Sarah in specific and more just a I have to share some insanity with you and you're going to come along with me. Okay. Oh dear. So we discussed um, in a previous episode that there are a surprising number of Quidditch players because there isn't anything else for uh, wizards to do basically because jobs don't exist outside of Quidditch (laughs) and um, the Ministry of Magic. Which is not quite true, but presumably, given how uh, Quidditch is played and things like that, uh, there are a lot of Quidditch players in the Wizarding World and specifically in the UK area. Mm -hmm. Um, So my question for you guys is, about how many teams do you think official teams of usquidditch.org exist in the US? And so these are real people who go play Quidditch. Yup. In there real are, life. There are pictures gotcha. of them on a website, and I even posted the live stream of the 12th annual U.S. Quidditch Cup in our chat, if you want to take an hour and watch that. <laughs> so this does not... This is, like, professional teams? So, so this, this is usually, like, college club or adult okay. club teams that have registered and are, quote-unquote, official teams. I am okay. not including unofficial teams, which are also members of the U.S. Quidditch team. Um, and I'm also curious, but I did not quite have the amount time necessary in your... Um, point house points giving to discover a what the differences are and b how one gets onto the national team but (laughs) i'm pretty sure those things are available and i'm not sure i actually want to know the answer okay my and and the reason i really asked that question was i was trying to suss out if college club teams were included in that there are college club teams that are included in that um but not all probably not 
all of them, or I have, I, I have no idea whether all of them are or are not, because <laughs> I don't really know how I would find a college, a non-official college <laughs> Quidditch team. That's a weird um, filter you have to put into those search results. Right. Um, but the other thing that I desperately want you to do, and maybe we can do this as a group sometime when we're all in North Carolina, mm-hmm. um, Duke does have a Quidditch team. I think UNC does too. Um, they do not have an official Quidditch team. Oh. I did look, okay. but um, Appalachian State does. I kind of desperately want to drink a lot and force <laughs> Lee and possibly other people to go watch Quidditch and just see what happens. I feel like Doug should be there too. Just I just that whole getting drunk at a Quidditch game seems like either the best or the worst thing. And you it's can't gotta see be me. You can't see me right now, but I'm nodding furiously at you. <laughs> I, I have many questions about how the rules work because I've not seen a Quidditch game in the book yet. But based on what I've heard so far, I think it involves a broom. Um, the other thing that I, Spencer, I will highly recommend you clicking is I also put a um, standings link, um, and this will tell you the algorithm that they use to calculate the official standings. But but before we delve too deep into anything else sarah about how many teams you know just just a guess because i didn't count them all i I approximated scrolling through them Mm -hmm. about how many teams do you think exist within the u.s that are official registered teams of the u.s quidditch organization 357 spencer all right there's 50 states i don't think they're probably gonna be evenly distributed but I will say there's probably an average of six estates, so I'll go a little bit lower and say 304. I am. I'll, you guys went way higher than I expected. They look like they're <laughs> about like somewhere between 100 and 200, probably around 150, which is also way higher than I would have guessed. That like people putting in the like effort to fill out a form online and get membership status, like hundred percent. Like I can imagine people doing all kinds of goofy things, <laughs> but um, but I but actually are... getting registered for said goofy things. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I do believe that if we are including the unofficial teams, there are quite a number more, and there look like there are at least seven in in North Carolina in Boone, Apex, Durham, uh, Silva, which I don't know his thing. Um, and I, oh wait, University of North Carolina is an official team. I don't know why it didn't pop up. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, and also UNC Greensboro. And wherever Western Carolina is, because I'm going to say it's Cullowee, however you pronounce that. I've pulled up the map of where the teams are, and to little surprise to me, the states of Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Nebraska have a single team between them. So definitely not even distribution across the United States. Also, weirdly, New Mexico doesn't. That one catches me a little bit off guard. Yeah. Yeah, you would think that there would be, they could feel the team. They have the numbers. They have the quirkiness. (laughs) They could make that work. They don't have the collective action. Nevada does not have a team. I would have lost money that Las Vegas did not have a representative team. Desert. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not hot. But also there's more than one in Salt Lake. So I don't know that we're going to get to the bottom of this. Nice. <laughs> but but this is just my, my fascination um, with, with the officialness. And this is not like worldwide. This is just U.S. There right. is a worldwide as well. And apparently there are national teams. Also fascinating. Um, there is a uh, 
depending on how you look at it, a like five to ten line algorithm for score standings. Um, and Sarah, I feel like you will really appreciate this. One of the acronyms that they use is snitch when it matters is swim. And so perfect. They, they just have <laughs> this fascinating, you know, algorithm to calculate the official standings. And I, I'm impressed and not as surprised as, as I might be that this does exist, but, but I'm amused that people put in this much effort. I like it. All right. So, uh, Spencer, go on with your actual question. <laughs> <laughs> was there really a question in any of that, BJ? Well, it was how yeah. many official teams oh, that's are right. there in Excuse the U.S.? Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, th- this tells me that that information is not actually in the book itself, otherwise Sarah would have known it. Um, but for me, first question, brooms. Yes. Uh, we, we hear over the course of this chapter that various people that were born into wizarding families who live in or around the wizarding world have prior broom experience. Um, at least several of them brag about that, whether they're necessarily telling the truth or not. We'd previously heard tell that um, young individuals who get to receive training were not allowed to practice magic. Mm-hmm. Do brooms qualify? Uh, these stories they're telling, you know, them going out and taking their dad's car when they're not supposed to against the law? Or uh, are brooms in a separate category and viewed as a more of a functional device? Um, brooms are in a little bit of a separate category. Certainly you cannot do, it is still a violation of the international statute of secrecy if you are seen by a muggle on your broom. But for example, we get in, I think the, think the next book, the Weasley family lives kind of out in the middle of nowhere and they have mm-hmm. kind of a field with trees around it by their house. And so as long as um, the kids don't fly too high, they can practice Quidditch out there. That's not um, really a violation. Spencer, I feel like to continue with your analogy, it's more like driving your dad's pickup on a farm. Yeah. Where, yep. I sure. mean, as long as you don't go on public roads and whatever else, and it, even if you do, if it's just like crossing it, if, eh, no it's one's really going to care. Yeah. But if a cop mm-hmm. sees you doing it and you clearly look like you're 10, they're probably going to have some questions. There all are also sort of baby training brooms for real little kids who grow up in wizarding communities that just kind of hover high enough for the kids' toes to kind of skim the grass as they go. Hot wheels. Training wheels? More like the, bar- <laughs> oh, more the-, like the Barbie car. Yeah. Oh, a Barbie car. I always wanted a Barbie car and I never did get one. My sister still complains about it. <laughs> I feel like this could be an adult purchase that you do now that would just be really <laughs> funny. It's like, just driving around the neighborhood. <laughs> so, I mean, for Christmas, I know you've been wanting this for quite a long time. I figured I'd get you one. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Sarah, if we, if, we, if we come up for New Year's and you're just driving around your house solely in the little Barbie car, that would be just hilarious. <laughs> I'll deliver champagne from a tray in my Barbie car. <laughs> so, I actually had a follow-up broom question. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um... This kind of seems like, yes, it's a heavy pastime, and and I kind of get it, Um, but it also seems like there are way too many brands and um, makes, like the the make and model of the the number of brooms that seems to be referenced in Harry Potter seems hilariously high for presumably the number of people that actually use them, unless it's just like a collector thing. Like... I only have one car, but I have many more, like, pens or knives or or pots and pans. Mm -hmm. And I feel like 
the purchase is kind of maybe more in the lines of like a bicycle and yeah super serious people are gonna have more than one bicycle but like that's a very small segment of the population whereas Mm -hmm. i feel like there are going to be lots of students at hogwarts that are going to go have a couple of brooms at least in their tenure even if they're not good so I'd like you to, um, I'm I'm forcing you into a very weird pigeonhole of, (laughs) can you talk to me a little bit about the um, economics and uh, retail space of Quidditch? So. (laughs) This is a topic. Yes, go. I can talk about anything you want, BJ. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I don't, I don't know about the number of people versus the the number of people who are buying brooms versus the number of people or the number of types of brooms that there are. There are, as you point out, a variety of different brands of brooms. I think the main ones at this point are um, Clean Sweeps, Nimbus, Silver Arrows. I think it's a Silver Arrow. I'd be wrong about that. And then there are a couple of like older defunct brands that come out. And then you get, at some point you get a reference to like a family no, it's not a family size broom because you buy a magic carpet to take your family around, not a broom. But the imports of those um, have been severely cur- curtailed recently. Oh, oh God, I have I have a, a burning question right now. Okay. So so clearly they're like I I hope she's making a joke about British racing car history. Um, and so are there like imported models from um, the states or um, Italy? Well, yeah, but also uh, Asia, you know, and, and are there then, like, knockoff brooms that that are from, uh, you know, a, a Southeast Asian country, and so it's Nimbus, like, 1500? <laughs> do, we don't specifically get that, although we do get some, we do get some discussion about other items that are kind of knockoff items that come in. Or somehow kind of not the genuine article item, items that come in. And so this is another one of the things that the British Ministry of Magic is very concerned about. You know, it, 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 it's interesting you mentioned that. I hadn't really thought about it. But it seems like the Whistling world is not as globalized as our world is. Like, individual mom-and-pop shops and local traditions are able to persist despite, you know, outside influence in a way that we don't see as much here. I feel like this is more the UK than the Whistling world. <laughs> The fact the UK has this kind of unique character still, perhaps, then. Though we don't get to see much of what the outside wisdom world is like. Wait until book four. That's a a lot of episodes to get that far. Um, I think there is some of that. I think think most of it is seen kind of in the UK for UK-based reasons. Um, But I would imagine that part of that kind of clinging to mom-and-pop shops and local traditions and things like that also has to do with the extent to which wherever it is the wizarding community is sort of underground Hmm. and so there potentially isn't as much of an opportunity for or as much of a need or wish to kind of globalize in that way there is international cooperation but um it's also harder for like a conglomerate to accumulate that much in the way of power when pretty much any individual with a certain degree of knowledge can literally make life it's like, you know, the Star Trek principle of once you've invented the replicator, you kind of remove the appeal and power of wealth when everyone has the power of conjuration at their fingertips. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to be terrible and keep going with um, the, the broom questions. Uh, th- hopefully th- this will be a very quick <laughs> we one. We have a theme. Which <laughs> is, um, 
So a lot of the wizards seem to have um, a distinct lack of knowledge of the muggle world. Mm-hmm. Does anybody try and sneak in just a, a muggle broom for, for shits and giggles or, or something like that into like the wizarding world that would just clearly be a funny prank? Like it'd be hilarious to like replace somebody's uh, broom, not with like a crappier broom, but just with like a muggle broom and they like grab it and hop on it and just yeah fred and george weasley do things like this not specifically with Hmm. brooms Mm -hmm. although they might have at some point that does not seem like beyond beyond them but they they frequently do things things like that they also get eventually into kind of selling pranks and and magical jokes and things like that but when they start doing that there is a niche market for like muggle magic tricks among wizards, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, I could see that being entertaining. I could also see um, somebody sneaking in like jelly beans being like the funniest thing. Like just regular jelly beans? Exactly. And it's just like, <laughs> this is just well, that was sweet. <laughs> and that was sweet. And what is going on here? Um, spe- All of these are fine. Yeah. Uh, last question for me is actually about dueling. Okay. Of where. I'm, you know, I enjoy American history and I enjoy, you know, various figures like Alexander Hamilton or Stephen Decatur or Andrew Jackson. Uh, dueling is very much part of our culture and history as much as it was outlawed and everywhere else. It was still culturally expected. Is a, the similar thing going in the wizarding world where duels are officially outlawed but still very expected as part of your wizarding honor to uh, rise up to a duel to defend yourself? Or are, is there any non... The way that Ron described it, duels seem like they're a solely lethal activity. Is there a non-lethal sport equivalent? Or are they indeed affairs of honor that are officially, you know, outlawed but still engaged in? No, I think it can kind of go both ways. We get... It can, it can go both ways. I think that for the most part, they are meant to be serious business. Um, in the second book, we get a scene um, at a dueling club where... These students are being sort of taught how to duel in case they should ever need it. And Harry participates in some other duels kind of throughout the books that are much more dire than those in the dueling club itself. But it is an activity that within the books and within the world kind of comes and goes as something that there is any sort of focus on at all. So it's a little bit difficult to get a handle on, okay, how does this function and what importance does it have on, like, a day-to-day basis? I'm not entirely sure. We do get some stories of, like, some famous wizard duels, like your Alexander mm-hmm. Hamiltons and things like that, which were all, like, very serious and very um, fatal. <laughs> but, so I guess I would equate yeah, it no, to, like, an after-school fight. Um, and so in the uh, lexicon of Harry Potter, like, it'd be similar to somebody practicing martial arts or boxing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a fight outside of a bar between adults can be fatal. Um, and then there are the more ritualized versions of, like, legitimate duels and mm-hmm. back in the day and things like that and stuff that still probably occurs, but way less frequent. Yeah. And, and what certainly what they learn at the dueling club is a very stylized, excuse me, stylized version of dueling. There are rules and things that you do and the seconds and the blah, blah, blah. It, it is interesting to see that when, like, you see Hermione freaking out that they're going off and breaking the rules, she doesn't seem to respond aggressively to the idea that they're going and doing a duel as if that's a serious offense. More so to the idea they're going to break curfew to go to the duel. Yeah. So it does suggest a certain degree of 
uh, tolerance of this kind of activity, at least compared to breaking other rules. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. All right. Any other questions out of you, BJ? Uh, I think I'm done with uh, the dueling in the dark arts for uh, this episode. <laughs> All right. Well, next time around, we have Halloween. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 10 is Hang Halloween. On. Hang on. It's not, that, it's not that I doubt you. I just want to see what the little image is. <laughs> oh, look at that. Um. Which we will be recording somewhat thing. close to Halloween. Yeah, my, totally planned it that way. Nice. <laughs> oh, my, mine looks like a giant dude with a very tiny head and a very big club lumbering across the page. That yep. sounds right. That's mine too. <laughs> I was just pulling okay. the big pumpkin out of nowhere. <laughs> okay, Linus. <laughs> All right. Well, this was fun, y'all. Yep. Always fun on our uh, Muggle Monday. <laughs> Till next week, you guys. <laughs>